What makes you groan? Maybe it's a bad dad joke. I caught myself the other week groaning as I dropped my keys next to the car and I had to bend down and pick them up and I'm thinking, oh, boy, I'm getting old. Perhaps it's the thought of homeschooling or of another lockdown. Today, we discover that we do not groan alone. And because we do not groan alone, that should give us hope. Let me pray. Jesus, as we take time to enter into your word, we invite you to speak to us. Lord, as we are spread across this country, Lord, we recognize that you are with each one of us. As we catch up with this service at different times and at different places, Lord, even then, you are still with us. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us deep to deep? We invite you to be at work in this time. In Jesus' name, Amen. Challenges and suffering come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, don't they? From the aches and pains of getting older or from um, the thought of doing another round of homeschooling. And I'm not sure who groans more at the thought of homeschooling. The teachers, the parents or the students. There is a groan when we look at a reduction in hours at work or for business operators who look at the loss of income but still see the bills keep on coming in their inbox. We are called to pivot again and again. So much so that we feel like we could be um, an Olympic gymnast going to the Tokyo Olympics and behind the masks we let out another groan. Some 2,000 years ago, Paul, an early follower of Jesus, wrote to a group of people living in Rome as they were trying to make sense of things and at a time when, when things were really trying and they were struggling with life. It was in a world in which being a follower of Jesus put you in a minority. Misunderstood, persecuted, disenfranchised by the world around them, there were times that they wanted to just close the windows, pull the covers up over their head and let out a groan. So we find Paul on his third missionary journey, probably around the time that we read about in Acts chapter 20, as he leaves um, Greece to head back to Jerusalem. Paul takes time to write a letter, to dictate a letter actually, um, to a group of people that he longs to be with and he wants to acknowledge what is going on for them as they groan in Rome. We pick up Paul's letter to the uh, Christians in Rome, in Romans chapter 8, verse 23. And if you've got your Bibles with you, I encourage you to grab them, switch them on um, if you can, um, or grab your Bible and flick through to the pages to Romans chapter 8, verse 23. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. If you've got a different translation, that's okay as well. We jump in mid-thought 
as we read Paul's dictating, as we read about Paul, as he dictates to someone, madly trying to keep up with Paul. With empathy, Paul dictates. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. There is something both challenging and encouraging in Paul's words to those first century Christians. We believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us. This would have been a huge reality check for those in Rome, thinking that following the resurrected Jesus meant that they, when they put on the armour of God, it was kind of like this Teflon armour that somehow um, nothing would stick to you, that as you moved into this new life as a Christian, you moved into this new space under this Christian bubble where the tough stuff of life would just float on by. But Paul knew that this was not their reality. Only a handful of years earlier, Paul was previously in Greece at a place called Philippi, when in Acts 16, Paul talked about, uh, talked about Jesus to a group of people. One thing led to another, and a mob of people with the support of the city officials beat the stuffing out of Paul and Silas. We read about it in Acts 16, verse 22. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. My guess is that Paul and Silas spent some time in that inner cell in that jail with their feet in stocks, being bloodied and bruised. And I have no doubt that in those moments they groaned. Whether it's from being beaten up by others or feeling beaten up by life, even though they were followers of Jesus, with the Holy Spirit living in them, there were times that they would groan. Paul got it. But he also wanted those followers of Jesus to know that they do not groan alone. Paul, a giant in the New Testament and a spiritual father to countless faith communities, understood and identified with those in Rome. We, we believers also groan. When you groan, Paul is saying, you do not groan alone. But Paul is also reminding them that they were not failures as followers of Jesus when they groan. It does not mean that God is absent from their situation. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. The Holy Spirit was just as present for them 
when things were going great as when they were groaning, feeling like the weight of the world was on their shoulders. These believers were not groaning alone. Stepping back to Romans 8.22, we also step back and get to see the bigger picture. Paul speaks of a difficult context with a bigger perspective. For we know that all creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. For those in Rome, you're not alone. We believers also know what it's like to groan. But not only do we groan with you, but all of creation groans. It is like this restriction that has bound up the fullness of creation. It's been wrapped around God's creation like a straitjacket. And creation groans because of the restrictions and the weight placed upon it. Creation groans in pain and it waits. Paul indicates that creation has been waiting for millennia and it still groans. It still waits for its release from its um, uh, contractions and restrictions. But in this letter, Paul also reminds these believers that this is not the way it's meant to be. For these believers in Rome, their present reality is not going to be their future glory. Not for them and not for God's creation. Let's look back at Romans chapter 8, verses 18, or 18 to 23. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal for us, uh, to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the, that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Paul has seen athletes in training. He has undoubtedly seen people run. And like a runner running for the prize and straining to reach the finish line first, Paul uses that imagery to describe how creation waits eagerly, straining forward, not in retreat, not passively waiting, but stretching and straining as it groans and waits eagerly for the future day when the curtain call will be raised 
and all those who belong to Jesus, the redeemed, are revealed. You see, when sin entered the world, creation was broken. When Adam groaned as he worked the ground, creation also groaned as it was worked by Adam. There was a knock-on effect of sin which marred the earth. A relationship that should have been about stewardship became one of exploitation as people took from creation rather than tending it. Creation knows that this was not the way it was meant to be. But humans are quick to forget. Against its will, creation was wrapped up in this straitjacket of futility. Creation not functioning as it was designed to. And so Paul reminds those Romans that all creation is waiting eagerly. It groans right up into the present time and it still groans. It groans as it stretches out, hoping that soon, very soon, it too will experience its promised glory. So what are the Romans believe, the Roman believers to do? Well, I guess they could groan at God. They could shake their fist and cry out that it just isn't fair. That God had abandoned them. That God's promises are empty. Sure, they could groan at God. Or perhaps they could groan with God. In those moments of weakness and despair, when the groaning comes from the depths of, the, of one's soul, groans, Paul says, groan with believers, groan with creation, but also groan with God. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says this, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray, uh, wants us to pray for, uh, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Paul says to the believers in Rome, the Holy Spirit groans with you. The Holy Spirit groans for you. The Holy Spirit catches the deepest longings of a believer's heart. And in words that are too deep to utter, the Holy Spirit, the breath that breathed life into the dust that formed Adam, the wind of God groans for you and groans for God's will to be manifest in you and in your situation. There is something transformative in this. Realising that you are not alone. Realising that other believers also groan. Realising that all creation groans. Realising that the Holy Spirit has not abandoned you, but rather the Holy Spirit 
when you pray, groans with you for God to be realised in your situation. Groaning should fill the believer with hope. Hope in the knowledge that this is not the end. So allow me to pull some of these threads together for us today as I read again from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 28. As Paul speaks to the believers in Rome, but also he speaks to us today. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal his children who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We are given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So let me ask you, have you groaned in this last week? When you see the news, when you face the situation that you face in life, have you groaned in this last week? Then good. Good, not because of what has happened to you, but because you are not satisfied with your situation. And nor should you be, nor should we be. All creation is groaning because it remembers what we so easily forget. This is not the way it was meant to be. Creation was meant for more than this, to be lovingly tended, not taken for granted. This is not the way it is meant to be, you, that you were meant for more than this, that the statistics and the numbers that we see on the news, the heartache that we experience, because this is not the way God wanted it 
to be. That when we groan, we echo with other believers throughout the centuries who have also groaned. That we join with all of creation who also groans. But we also have a choice. We can sit here and groan at God or we can pray. To pray with passion. We can pray with longing for things to be different. To pray in our weakness. To pray even when we don't know what to say. We can groan. And we can groan with God that God's will would be done in us and through us. That we can, in our groaning, know the realities that this is not the way it was meant to be. And that we can also groan in knowing that there is a hope that we long for with all creation, that we, with creation, will be freed from death and decay, that we and creation join together as we wait with eager hope to be released from sin and suffering. And we can also look for opportunities to work together with God for good. We can work together with God in our lives, in our communities, as stewards of God's creation. We wait, not passively, not resistantly, but in active engagement. We wait patiently and are confident of our future hope. As Amy read earlier, Revelation 21, verses 3 and 7. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. He also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the spring of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. Would you groan with me as I pray? Lord, sometimes life can just be so tough. As we look at the, the situation that we find ourselves in and we can want to shake our fist and say it is not fair. But we also recognise that this is not the way it was meant to be. That when sin entered the world, the world became broken. Our relationship with you became broken. Our relationship with others around us. 
Our relationship with creation was broken. And that was never what you intended it to be like. Jesus, we thank you that you have made an option, a path available to us. That is, we accept you as our Lord and Saviour, as we accept you as our King, as we recognise your redemptive power to transform things from a, an Easter Friday to a Resurrection Sunday, that you can bring life and hope into any situation. Holy Spirit, as we groan, as we long for things to be different, would you help God's will to be manifest and done in our life? Would you help us to be the bringers of hope, even in life's difficulties, to experience, to know that this is not the end, that there is hope for a new future, a future where we will be with you, that you will be with us, that creation will be renewed and things will be as they were meant to be, perfect, without sin, without death, decay, without tears and sorrow. Lord, we look forward to that day, but would you help us as we wait eagerly to not wait passively, but would you help us to do our part, to play our part in seeing your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. So how do we respond today? Well, I want to encourage you to consider a couple of things. What's causing you to groan at the moment? What do you think creation is groaning about? And are you groaning at God or are you groaning with God? I want to encourage you just to take some time as some music's played, just to maybe write a prayer or to draw a prayer. I invite you to, to invite the Holy Spirit to bring about harmony in this situation and that God's will would be done in your life.